Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Dane, you grab that side, I'll grab this side, and we'll stretch this dollar. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Welcome to Money Savage Further. This is George Grombacher. Our guest today is Dane Shuda. He is the owner of Ghost Blog Writers. He is a blog and content writing service for busy businesses. I'm excited to have you on. Dane, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. I live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is about an hour or two from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I live with my wife and two-year-old daughter and ghost blog writers. I've been running it full-time since 2012, uh, part-time before that for a few years. And like you said, we write uh, blog posts and other content for busy businesses. That was a good way to explain it. Nice. Well, I, 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 I like it. So have, have you always had a passion or a love for writing or how did that, how did that come to be? Um, actually the opposite. Uh, <laughs> if you, uh, <laughs> if you were to, to talk to my, I guess it would be senior year high school English instructor and I haven't had a chance to, uh, to connect with her again, but she would probably tell you that I would be the last person to get into writing. <laughs> um, I was always interested in business, not interested in writing. I think though, well, looking back, it might've been just the, the, type of writing that you're required to do in school and things like that. And then uh, as I got into college, I did take a creative writing course as an elective. And I was a business major and, and kind of was going down that path. But I took a creative writing course where you would write things like short stories, uh, poems, and I had no clue about it. I took it and kind of enjoyed it. But then put it aside, finished college, got a job in marketing management. And then uh, kind of around that time, online marketing uh, was starting to pick up more speed, more interest. And that's kind of how I got into blogging and, and it kind of grew from there. Got it. All right. And so you mentioned that you've been doing this full time for a good little while, but then you were doing it part time for a couple of years. How did you? How, how did that transition take place? Yeah, so I got a full-time job. It was the summer of 2007, and I thought I had an idea to, to start some kind of website. I didn't really know what I was doing. I took out a small loan to try to figure out how to launch a website, but didn't know anything about it, uh, didn't make any money, and... That kind of, though, led me into an interest in blogging. I was reading blogs, business blogs, uh, 
all kinds of different stuff and and thought I would like to try it. So I started writing uh, blogs every night, just kind of what I was learning at work or uh, what I was doing just for fun and would do that every day. And I did that for at least a year, probably a little more. And then just by happenstance, uh, connection of a connection, uh, knew someone, a small business owner that wanted one blog post written every week and kind of connected me with that person. And they started paying me to write that one blog a week. And so that's kind of how it started as a serendipitous side hustle, I guess, I guess over a decade ago. Way before it was called a side hustle, right? I don't think I heard that that term until a few years after it, but I know it's existed uh, long before that. Yeah, certainly. So, all right. So you sort of got in the rhythm of just writing a blog on a daily basis. And I imagine you just got better and better and more comfortable at it. Obviously you got somebody's attention that they started paying you to do it. So how is that, mm-hmm. how, how, how has that evolved from you not being the number one student in your English class to you know, starting to write and then obviously getting paid. So did, did, did you have to go back and really educate yourself or did you have the fundamentals? I think I had the fundamentals. It was, uh, it was definitely, obviously you learn some fundamentals in school and can write somewhat. And then I think all the reading I did, um, I've always liked reading books. I've always liked reading at that time magazines and then it kind of got into blogs and and so I could kind of see what people were doing and I wasn't too judgmental of myself in those early posts I was just trying to figure it out my main goal was to for whatever reason write one post every night after work and so I I think I just kind of picked it up from from seeing what others were doing trying to emulate them, trying to embellish on it a little bit with my own style. Um, But I think I had a good foundation over the years, but I was certainly not, and I wouldn't even consider myself today uh, an excellent writer in like a technical sense. Got it. So now fast forward to where we are today. You've got this company and 50 people, uh, writing consistently, probably, probably every day, probably numerous times a day. Um, what just, just, it's sort of a random question. What do you think the state of writing is today? Is it better than it ever has been? Is it worse because of the internet? I think so. I I maybe have a a little bit of a contrarian view of of how language, I guess, has evolved. And, And I've mostly seen it from, from, I guess I'm kind of in a unique situation in the millennial generation where we, I do remember writing letters in the 90s, early 2000s, and then email started, and from email kind of evolved to text messages, and I've kind of thought about this, and I've looked back where words have gotten shortened, even the, the word email used to have a dash between the E and the M, <laughs> and you might look at texting today and see uh, young teenagers and, and kids shortening words, but but I kind of look at it as it may not be technically correct from what you would consider it to be decades ago, but I think it's it's a good thing, and, and people are learning how to be more concise. And as long as 
the recipient understands what you're trying to communicate, I think I think that's a win. But I kind of see it it's evolving in a, in a positive direction. It might not look as good to a traditionalist, but I think it's just kind of the way it's always it's always gone. Yeah, well, I appreciate that very much, and I think that that's a great way to think about it and look at it. As long as the other person understands what's what's being communicated, then then that is effective mm-hmm. communication. So, got it. And it's and it's one little anecdote. I remember I've I've read a few like old biographies, and it was interesting. I was reading one on like Andrew Carnegie or someone from like the late eighteen hundreds, and and a big part of their communication was telegrams and these books would, would kind of quote the old telegrams. And it was, and I was, I would laugh as I would read these telegrams. They were almost identical to the way we write text messages today with Hmm. the shortened phrases and words. And it might take a moment to kind of figure out what they were talking about, but I don't know if they had to pay by the word back then for telegrams or Morse code or whatever it was, but it was, it was very similar. Yeah, I think that that's very interesting, and it makes all the sense in the world. So, so I have to imagine that you see a lot of people who who are interested in in writing and blogging. Um, how how? Well, I'll just ask the question: Do you see a lot of people who are who who are trying to make a living doing that these days? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and and I think that's always been the case. Maybe not. I think definitely that's the dream, and it's probably existed for a, for a while. Is, uh, write the next great American novel, or start a blog, uh, personal blog that maybe can turn into some kind of money maker, or even on a business side, start a blog, start a social media account, and create content, get attention, and somehow monetize it. So I think yeah, that's kind of been around at least since I started. 10 plus years ago and, and I still do see it today. And how, how often are people successful? N- not very often. And it's probably for, for a lot of reasons, but the, the main one I think is it's easy, not easy, but it's common to in that scenario have, you know, five, 10, 15 ideas for, a blog post or if you're a book writing a book or something and then you can that's kind of the first step you have the ideas and you get through those and then you kind of reach a, a big point of you have to almost figure out a different way or a different schedule of doing things and, and I've thought about that a lot and I kind of compare it to like a musician or a band who kind of has their entire lives come up with 12 songs for their first album they release that album they get in the touring schedule and then a year goes by and their record label says all right we need another album 12 more songs and it's just kind of a free-for-all and a lot of times that second album isn't as good and i think i think that's very similar to what happens with a lot of blogs that's interesting and i guess probably most any creative endeavor it's that sophomore slump or, or whatever people call yeah. it in, in the record business probably happens. That's, uh, that's, that's very interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so people think, okay, you know what? I think, I think I want to be a writer. I'm going to start this blog. I've got yep. these great ideas, but then 
come 15 or whatever, 12 or 15 posts or, or articles, then they're out of ideas. So yep. it doesn't necessarily yeah. surprise me. Um, surprise me a little bit. Um, so what, how, well, how, how does one become successful at it then? So the process we use with, with uh, the blogs that I still write and with all of our clients, uh, any blog that we're involved with is, is we separate the brainstorming from the writing. So it's not ever a writer sits down and they're scheduled to write a post. And if we did that, they would have to come up with an idea, research that idea, and then write it. Uh, we've just found that is not realistic. So we have some people that, and sometimes it's the writer and sometimes it's the client, but uh, there's always for every client has someone brainstorming titles every month or two, and we'll pitch that to the client, get the approval, put it on the schedule, and then the writer can log in the, uh, what title they have to write, what notes are there. Uh, they can ask questions if they need to, but kind of separate the brainstorming from the actual writing. And that's kind of how we avoid that writer's block scenario. Got it. I think that that's, I think that's, that's, that's very interesting as somebody who I, I, I do a little bit of writing and I, I come up with different ideas for, for podcast episodes. And I do find yep. that what, what I'll do just to share with you my, my absolutely brilliant process, Dane, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just have a, like a notepad and I'll, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll write down a couple of the ideas or the titles as they pop into my mind, and then I'll go back later yeah. and, and try to fill it in. So I don't think it's dissimilar from what you're talking that's, about. And, and just to mention songwriters again, that's, that's the exact process that I would say the most successful songwriters and musicians do is they all have their little notebook that they carry. It's probably more of their cell phones now, but they schedule these co-writing sessions they all walk in them with their little books and they look through the books and name off titles and they pick one to write that day but a lot of them say that without that just walking into a room and trying to come up with a title and then write it from scratch is almost impossible yeah yeah i totally agree with that so do you work to systematize that or make it a bit of a process or is it just, you know, when the idea strikes, I need to make sure that I write it down? So so our clients ask us that question. And I think it's a good question. And, and it, it, we try to systematize it and say, we don't want to, if you have a, if a client has a great idea for a blog post that they want us to write or help with, they might have an idea and provide some of their thoughts. And then we just kind of polish it up. We always want that to be part of the process, but to go along with that is the monthly or every other month brainstorming session that we do where we're uh, looking at what people are asking or brainstorming ideas. And so definitely we've systematized that for ourselves and then for our clients. Uh, I think anyone writing has to have a system. It doesn't stifle the creativeness of, of just a spark of inspiration coming. You can still do that, but kind of back up with a, with a system in place. Yeah. Got it. And do you, 
try to keep people to a certain amount of time per article? Yeah, we do. For the writers, we definitely do. We want them, uh, we want the writers to be as efficient as possible. So we try to share, I mean, there's not a, any huge secrets to, to, to writing efficiently or finding research, but uh, we try to help them with being able to learn just how to use Google if they're looking for a statistic or something or a research article to reference or whatever it might be. Um, and then a lot of them, depending on their experience level, get more and more efficient as they write more posts. And we, in almost every case, it's the same writer for writing for each client every time. So over time, they get more efficient with writing for that client. Uh, but yeah, we do. We do. Want, we don't have anything formal. If the if a writer's struggling with a single post, we'll just tell them uh, we'll help them if we can, and and just kind of watch it and say if it, if it keeps happening, then we'll take a deeper dive and try to figure out how to be more efficient. But it's uh, if it's efficient for the writer, they're happy, the client's happy, and everyone's happy. So that that is something that we try to keep an eye on. Yeah. And if you can keep all three parties happy, well, then I I, yep. I, I feel like that's a win right there. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so for somebody who's who's listening, they say, you know what, I I, I love writing. I've I've just been writing. Maybe maybe they have their own blog. They say I'm interested in actually actually making money at this. How would you? Um, what would the steps be for them to, for example, just just write for your company? Sure. So, uh, so we work with, I think you said earlier, we work with about 50, 60 writers. Uh, they're all freelance writers in the U S a couple in Canada, Australia and UK, depending on where our clients are from. But a lot of them work for us. Some of them more than others. A lot of them have their own direct clients and they use us to kind of supplement what they're doing. But I mean, if someone is interested in working for us, it's kind of a way to make a little extra money and they can go through our website, ghost blog writers or connect with me on LinkedIn. But, uh, obviously the money is probably less than what you would make direct, but, uh, we kind of always make sure the writers are always paid uh, every month and they don't have to deal with the client type stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, there's certainly ways. I mean, when I was starting as far as the way to make money, second client I got as, as like a freelancer was just on Twitter, I believe. And I saw that the CEO was asking about, they wanted a blog written and I just kind of responded and it led that way. And then I started looking at job boards and, and seeing what companies were looking for copywriters. And I would just reach out and see if they would be interested in seeing me write something for them. So, so I think there's a lot of ways do that. It doesn't have to be blogging. A lot of companies are looking for all kinds of content these days. And, and the nice thing for me at that time, I had a full-time job and, and it was something I could do on the weekends or for an hour or two at night. So, and we have a lot of parents that do it, college kids that do it. They, they can usually find a, you know, a few extra hours during the week to write a few blog posts and make a couple extra hundred bucks each month. Got it. Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. So it's just a matter of, and, and then I have to imagine that, that, well, so do they submit previous work to you or do you give them a test to, to, to write? How do you audition them for lack of a better term? 
Yep. Yeah. So we do, at least in our minds, we're kind of testing. So we have a form on the site. Um, depending on what you're thinking about in your head, it's, it's, I would say it's not overly long. It's got maybe 10 questions we ask and some basic ones like your name, your experience, your interest. And, but throughout that whole form that, that we get through that website, we're kind of paying attention to, can you write a coherent sentence? So uh, there's a lot, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's some like low level stuff that will just kind of respond and say, uh, thanks, but no thanks. It looks like the, the writer has potential, then we'll assign them uh, a test article to write. And it's usually kind of based off of uh, something that we're doing for clients at the time or things like that. And, and so then that's a paid post. So we ask them to write something for us. We'll give them kind of a checklist of, of formatting. And when we get that back, we're paying attention to the post, what's in it, kind of how they did the process, but also how they followed that checklist of formatting guidelines and things like that. So kind of a test right from the beginning, even from the just getting the form filled out at the first step. Yeah, and I would not be shocked at all if a lot of people can't follow those directions. So it's probably a good screening yeah, tool. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of, for, for a lot of businesses, I'm sure that's the way to kind of cut the pile of resumes in half right from the beginning. For sure. I love it. This has been good stuff. Dane, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Um, if they did want to maybe be, start writing for you or if there are a, if they're a business and they need content where can they find you yeah best best way is right on our website it's ghostblogwriters.com or uh, you can search for us on google and uh, certainly connect with me on linkedin it's uh, dane shuda as far as i know i'm the only one so you should be able to find me there and certainly connect reach out message me i love to connect with you and, and tell you more about writing or if you need any type of content uh, we mostly do blog posts, but we do a lot of other content depending on what that might be. So would love to hear from folks. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Dane your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates the good ideas, go to ghostblogwriters.com, connect with Dane on LinkedIn, and reach out. Thank you again, Dane. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. <laughs>